Welcome to the show that helps business owners and business people. If it's about marketing, sales, or anything business related, we'll discuss it. This is Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Now, here's Chase. What's going on, everyone? You heard the man. My name's Chase Channel, and this is Strictly Business. Glad to have you along on a Friday afternoon. It's been a long week, so I'm sure you're glad that the weekend is here. I know I am. You can catch us every Friday right here on 93.1 from 1 to 3, and then replay it again tomorrow morning on Saturday from 9 to 11. You can tune it in for the next two weeks also on 105.3 until we fully make the transition. Now, in case some of you don't know, I want to just, I think they've talked about it all week, and this isn't new news, so, but I just want to give you my version of it. Uh, as most of you know, the signal is now moved from 105.3 over to 93.1. The reason that that was that uh, we did that was because we wanted to increase the amount of listeners and also make sure that the signal was stronger because the programs are fantastic. The reviews have been wonderful. So we want to make sure that you can catch us all throughout West Tennessee. So we're now on 93.1. On the 16th, they will phase over 105.3 to a uh, Fox Sports network. And then um, you can always catch us on 93.1, which is WTJS. So we're glad to have you along. This is Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel, and we're going to get right into it today. I've got a busy lineup, so I want to cover as much as we can. And we're going to start off with some drama on Facebook. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but um, interesting enough, uh, it's a topic that it, it upsets me, and I've noticed it, and recent developments have made it where it's now at the forefront for not only me, but apparently lots of other business people. So on Facebook, there's two types of posts. There's what's called an organic post, and then there's a sponsored post or non-organic post. Basically, the difference is if I put, it's a sunny afternoon, and I love being outside. That's an organic post. I can share that up on my page. Now, who likes it? Who sees it? Nobody really knows except for Facebook. But we do know things that can improve algorithms. And then there's another type of post, which is called a sponsored post. Now, a sponsored post cannot happen from a personal page. Let me repeat. A sponsored post cannot happen from a personal page. If you make yourself a business profile page or a public, uh, there's like a celebrity page, a public, you can be a musician, a band, a business but if it's under what's called pages, you then have analytics where you can see what the posts have, have accomplished, how many interactions, how many clicks, how many impressions, the audience. You can break it down into all those categories. But there's a post that came out. It came out earlier this week, and um, I'm just going to share it with you. I'm going to read this to you. This is from someone who I've admired for a long time in business, Mr. Grant Cardone. And Grant is a, uh, he's a real estate investor. He's an automotive sales trainer. He sells training across all platforms and industries. He's a interesting guy, and he had a big impact on me early on in business. I would watch his videos and always liked how he would just tell it like it is. Well, Grant got fed up with, uh, and where he really won me over is he, his business was in California. And he calls out, he goes on Fox or one of the news networks there, I think it was Fox, and he calls out the governor of the state of California. He says, 
listen, I'm not going to keep paying these taxes, and if you don't make changes, then I'm going to move my business elsewhere. Well, you guessed it. He didn't hear from anybody, and what was great about it was is he said, listen, it's my business. I pay these taxes, and it's my choice as to where I want to do business. So he packed up his entire business, his operation, and he moved it to Miami, which is where it's at now, and I think it's under what's called Cardone Enterprises. But Grant won me over in that moment because not only did he call him out, but he did what he said. So Grant posted this. Uh, this would have been, I think, let's see, Tuesday? Yeah, no, Wednesday he would have posted this earlier this week. And it goes a little something like this. It says, Dear Facebook executives, because of your recent decisions to throttle my personal and business accounts, I will be moving all live streams and redirect traffic to your competitors at YouTube, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and iTunes. Also, I will immediately discontinue all advertising with your company until this arbitrary and abusive throttling discontinues. I have spent seven years, tremendous effort, and people resources along with millions of dollars building an audience here on Facebook. I have also successfully built a very active audience here in, in making me one of your top channels. Your success and distribution around the world clearly helped me do so, and I appreciate your services up until this point. It has been a win-win for both of us. Recently, you started to aggressively throttle what my audience sees and does not see with new rules. If I want to offer free services, discounts, or even money to an audience to further expand my reach, that is my decision as a personal business, and when it works, then I spend more money with you. Attempting to force an already good-paying customer, millions last year, is simply validation that your company is controlling what people see and don't see and makes you look even more guilty of recent accusations of political influence. Today, however, I ran a test to see how much you are involved in what my audience sees. I offered a $1,000 giveaway to the 6 million people who follow me here and did the same on another channel with only a fraction of the audience size and reach. The smaller audience by 10 times had 50 times the views and entries to win the $1,000. Smarter, more conforming people than me will say that this is against your new set of rules. But who are, who are you to decide the marketplace, what the marketplace should see or not see? Clearly, you are free to exercise your business as you see fit, but remember, the marketplace makes the rules, not the company. And like in all things, when your once satisfied customers have had enough, they will seek other alternatives. Those who happily paid you yesterday will discontinue paying you tomorrow, and disruption occurs. Seems like you guys have enough going on with breaches and accusations of political influence and should get back to your mission. Give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Until this is handled... I will be moving my daily live streams to other channels and discontinuing advertising with your company. Sincerely, Grant Cardone. Then he leaves his phone number. Now, this is interesting to me because just recently in the last week, I've personally noticed because I post pretty actively on Facebook and I've realized that certain things will increase your post views and certain things won't. Um, let me give you an example of that. If I share something specific, such as maybe it's a humorous video or something music-related, I may get, um, let's just say, 30 likes. Now, I have 5,000 friends, so 30 of them will like that. Now, 
recently I won an award and I posted a picture of me with the award online. That one got 400 likes. So I automatically knew that Facebook was censoring what people see and what they don't see, but I hadn't given it much thought up until this point. I just thought, well, you know, they've got things and they're showing it to who they think, you know, are interested in, in that specific category versus not. But in looking into it and hearing Grant's post, I thought to myself, wow, I guess I'm not the only person that noticed it. And I actually posted a video. Um, it would have been maybe just a few days ago. And when I posted it, normally if I post a video on Facebook, it doesn't matter what it is. I get at least 1,500 views. That's on the low side and as many as 15,000. But I thought to myself, hmm, let me post this post, and it's an ad from our dealership, and it's a, a video, an actual commercial that we shoot. So I posted it up, put a little comment there so that all my friends could take advantage of the sale that we have going on this month. And as I shared it, it has 175 views right now, 175 Never before have I ever had a video that didn't get over 1,500 in the last three years since I've really used Facebook. So as I thought about that, I said, well, that's crazy. Now, granted, there's a button that says boost this post for, you know, for 15,000 people to see it, and it'll only cost you X. So it sounds to me kind of like pay to play. Now, what's upsetting about it is, is that in my opinion, if I have 5,000 friends on Facebook, that's an audience that I've built through relationships and meeting people. So who's Facebook to tell me if they see it or not, and I have to pay them to get them to see it? So I go over to Mark Zuckerberg's page on Facebook, and I think, well, I'm going to share Grant's message to him, so make sure he sees it. When I do that, I catch a post that he posts on Tuesday, and now I'm going to share this with you. It says, this is from Mark Zuckerberg. It says, today we're taking an important step to protect the integrity of elections around the world by taking down more than 270 pages and accounts operated by a Russian organization called the Internet Research Agency, the IRA. Most of our actions against the IRA to date have been to prevent them from interfering in foreign elections. This update is about taking down their pages targeting people living in Russia. This Russian agency has repeatedly acted deceptively and tried to manipulate people in the U.S., Europe, and Russia, and we don't want them on Facebook anywhere in the world. Here's more background on our efforts to protect the integrity of elections. After 2016, we found that the Russian IRA had set up a network of hundreds of fake accounts to spread divisive content and interfere in the U.S. presidential election. We began investigating their activity globally and taking down their pages and accounts. Since then, we have improved our techniques to prevent na na let's see, nation states from interfering in foreign elections, and we built more advanced AI tools. I want to repeat that. AI, artificial intelligence tools, to remove fake accounts more generally. Fake accounts more generally. That means that... Uh, they're not going to remove all fake, and some of them may be real, but if it uh, has to do with politics or influencing anything, they can remove it. There have been a number of important elections since then where these new tools have been successfully deployed. For example, 
in France leading up to the presidential election in 2017, we found and took down 30,000 fake accounts. In Germany, before the 2017 elections, we worked directly with the Federal Office of, for Information Security to learn from them about the threats they saw and to share information. In the U.S. Senate Alabama special election last year, we deployed new AI tools that proactively detected and removed fake accounts from Macedonia trying to spread misinformation. We have also significantly increased our investment in the security. We now have about 15,000 people working on security and content review. We'll have more than 20,000 by the end of this year. These efforts have all made it harder for nation states to interfere in foreign elections. With today's update, we have now identified a large network the IRA is using to manipulate in people in Russia itself. This is the next step towards removing them from Facebook entirely. We found the IRA has been using complex networks of fake accounts to deceive people. While we respect people and governments sharing political views on Facebook, we do not allow them to set up fake accounts to do this. When an organization does this repeatedly, we take down all of their pages, including ones that may not be fake themselves. The pages and accounts we took down today were removed because they were controlled by the IRA, not based on the content they shared. This particular set of pages and accounts was used to target people in Russia and people speaking Russian in the neighboring countries. Um, let's see. In this case, some of the pages we removed belong to Russian news organizations that we determined were controlled by the IRA. About 1 million people followed at least one of their Facebook pages, and about 500,000 followed at least one of their Instagram accounts. In the next few weeks, we'll release a tool so you can check if you liked or followed an IRA-controlled account. Security isn't a problem you ever fully solve. Organizations like the IRA are sophisticated adversaries who are constantly evolving but will keep improving our techniques to stay ahead, especially when it comes to protecting the integrity of elections. Now, here's my only problem with that is it sounds to me like Facebook's helping control the outcome of elections. So I understand that if there's a fake profile, but here's where it really, uh, it really bothers me. I get maybe, I don't know, 20 requests a day from total bots that are fake trying to spam me. So if they have artificial intelligence that can help uh, d decide what the outcome of an election is, why can't they get the fake spammers that are trying to become my friends? So I feel like Facebook's priority is messed up. They want to make me pay to play, and I have to pay to, for my own friends to see my posts now. Yet we're going to decide who, what the outcome, we're going to work with the government to decide what the outcome of an election should be. I want to say that again. We're going to work with the government, such as France and their presidential election, to make sure that the information out there is acceptable to Facebook. So to me, you know, I go back to the Constitution and talking about freedom of speech, and this isn't a political show. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, Grant's on to something that we need to take a stand as people to say, hey, you know, we shouldn't allow this. If, if you can't, if I see a post on Facebook and it says, whatever, Donald Trump uh, did something with this porn star, well, 
it's up to me to decide, A, should I go fact check that? Do I believe that there's credibility? What's the source? I mean, that's just our jobs as humans. It, you know, is we have to protect ourselves from being taken advantage of, disinformation. I mean, that's our job. It's not like we're going to, we go around and say, well, geez, we have to have everyone fact check what they say because we can't have someone hurt our feelings or, or convince us to do something that, that they shouldn't. So to me, it's ridiculous. And I think that uh, it's interesting that I'd noticed it just, just recently. And then to deal with all this, I'm thinking, okay, this is spot on to, uh, to exactly what I've been thinking. So Again, I, I think that this is a hot topic, and it's a hot topic because we talk about SEO, we talk about digital advertising on the show. A lot of our listeners are probably using digital advertising, sponsored posts and boosted posts in their business, and I think that that's great. There's nothing better than being able to go out and say, hey, this is my audience. But the problem is, is in years ago, we would always say, hey, social media is a great tool because it's free. Now, that's not the case. So now the only way that you can maximize uh, social media is to pay to play. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into this, and then we're going to check in with a social media expert, and we're going to get their take on what they think about not only Mark Zuckerberg's post, but Grant Cardone's post, and we'll see if we can't get some uh, insight to how does Facebook work and what do people see? So we're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right. You'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles or delivery of a brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade-in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 43018. Yeah. 
Getting the afternoon kicked off right with a little Pink Floyd. That's right, money. You're listening to Strictly Business here on 93.1 WTJS. My name's Chase Channel. If you want to get in on the action, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do so. You can shoot us a text at 731-215-0158, or all you got to do is go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, and you can comment on the wall there. Or you can go to Messenger if you want to send something uh, confidential. You don't want to mention your business name. And just so everyone knows, you don't have to ask a specific business question. You don't even have to be in business. Just shoot in a question if you want to know the answer, and I'll do my best to deliver it right here on 93.1. Now, let's get back to business. So we were talking about Grant Cardone's post uh, about basically Facebook Facebook 
when he's using the word throttling, he means that basically, um, well, just what it says, but that they're suppressing his post in, in like a pay for play environment. He's a guy that spent millions of dollars just this year in advertising with Facebook. But uh, again, it's not a fair market. It's not, uh, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But um, after reading his post and then reading Zuckerberg's post, I was a little disgusted. And I said, uh, well, what do people see on Facebook? I'm experiencing some of this myself. And I remember when Facebook started. And I'll tell you, I've been on it since what I feel like is the very beginning. In uh, the spring of 2005, I went to college, and I didn't go for long, but I went to college. And when I got to my homeroom, which was the very first place that I went, the teacher says, okay, we're all going to make a Facebook account. I said, what is a Facebook account? She says it's a social networking site designed for colleges and universities so that we can communicate with our students. I said, okay, and that meant, you know, absolutely nothing to me. Now, keep in mind at this time, MySpace was in full swing. I was an active MySpace user, had my top friends, you know, I was always on there. And uh, so I make a Facebook page. Well, I never use it. I don't even go to school much longer, so it wasn't going to do me any good. And then, and at the time, I remember it was just this kind of blank slate. There wasn't anything on it. And I thought it was the silliest idea in the world probably like a lot of other folks. And um, then I fast forward a year, and one of my friends says, hey, man, you got to get on Facebook. And I'm like, Facebook? I said, wait a minute. My homeroom teacher told me about that. I actually think I have a Facebook. So I pull up my Facebook now, and I've got all these friend requests, right, people that want to be my friend. So I start adding them, and as you add them, you get to see what they're thinking. They post up. uh, And at that time, it would say, I think, uh, if I remember right, it would say, like, Chase Channel is... And you'd put, like, Chase Channel is tired. Chase Channel is sleepy. Chase Channel is going to the store. And that's what Facebook was. It was like socially sharing what you were doing. The reason I know this is because every morning when I wake up and it says, let's take a look at your memories, I'm infinitely embarrassed by them. I'm like, oh, gosh, not more of my memories. But that's what Facebook was at the time, and I fell right into the category of exactly what they were looking for. I was college age, communicating with my friends. But then for me, this uh, I had this thing where my social network was split. I had all the kids that were smart on Facebook and went to college, and then all the people who didn't were still on MySpace because Facebook was for college kids. You had to have a college. Your email had to be edu, registered with a university, in order to get in on Facebook. So at this time, Facebook had started to free up and everyone could join. And then, of course, all the people who use MySpace kind of came over. Fast forward five years uh, later, and both of those become where really millennials and Gen X kind of fade off. Baby boomers start getting Facebook, and then all of a sudden it became real creepy because your parents could follow around what you were doing. I remember, luckily for me, I was already old enough to be out from under the uh, the nest, and uh, so it didn't really matter. But I remember all my friends going, I'm not adding my mom or my dad. And so through all this, I remember how much I started to enjoy Facebook because at that time, whatever you posted, you saw it in the order that it was posted. 
So if I posted something and then my friend Susie posted something, then Jimmy posted something and then Tommy posted something, whatever you post, you saw it and you saw it from everyone. Now, I don't have the exact dates of when Facebook decided that they would start controlling what information we would see, but I hated it. I remember posting uh, that I wish they would, you know, fix Facebook and bring back MySpace because uh, this is ridiculous. And at the time, nobody said anything because all they think is, well, I have a lot of friends and Facebook probably knows what I want to see. But anytime we allow someone to control the information that we see, we're giving them the opportunity to take away our rights. And that's something that I think is just totally ridiculous. So anyway... That's when I enjoyed Facebook, and now today, Facebook is completely transformed, and it's just became this, I mean, you like, and what I hate about the algorithms, in my opinion, they don't work. I see a bunch of posts from people who I don't ever even talk to. I don't want to see their information, and I have it prioritized where I have close friends listed as close friends, family listed as family, and it still can't figure out what I want to see. So the Facebook algorithms are broke, in my opinion. But we're going to get an expert opinion on it. So now we're going to go to the phone lines and see is, uh, Chris, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you doing, Chase? What's going on? On the line, we got Chris Snellgrove, the president of Digital Media Nation. Chris, we've been talking about uh, is Facebook suppression a real thing? We talked about Grant Cardone recently uh, put a post out saying Facebook throttling his post. And I'm not a digital expert. I know that you are. So I wanted to just hear from you. Do you think that Facebook's post suppression is a real thing? And is that pay to play? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen some interesting things happen over the past, past few months. Uh, it started in mid-January when we started hearing that the algorithms to Facebook were going to change and it was going to greatly affect uh, business uh, postings and, and, and uh, search results for our, our clients. Um, so then fast forward to the past 30 days where, you know, now it's coming out that there's, you know, serious privacy um, issues and Zuckerberg's under fire. Well, he knew about this three months ago. He knew it was coming out. So he started changing, I think, we, we think, uh, his tune about, you know, that he's talking now about completely the member experience and how he wants to create more privacy for his members and, and, and move away and, and go, go more toward the community versus business and be less salesy, which I think, quite frankly, uh, Chase, is very contradictory because he built his business on monetizing um, and selling his members' um, buying um, habits. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's face it, he did $12 billion in revenue last quarter alone over $40 billion last year in, in ad revenue, which is just phenomenal. He's the sixth richest person in the world right now. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, a political play. I think he's under fire right now, and I think it's completely related, um, you know, to, to, to the, 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 the privacy um, scrutiny. So what do you think about, what are your thoughts as far as where, where do you see the future of Facebook going? I mean, this has made a lot of people uneasy because, of infringement on freedom of speech, but what do you see the future of Facebook as? Well, first of all, I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. It's the, by far the easiest social media to monetize uh, from a business standpoint. Uh, we utilize it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the average U.S. Um, Internet user um, spends three and a half hours a day on social media.
social media, which is quite frankly hard to believe until you look at the stats. Um, but it's it, the, the amount of time people are spending on, on social media today is just mind blowing, and Facebook's not going anywhere. Um, and you know, there's been wide speculation that Facebook is even listening and watching you on your um, on, on your electronic devices, your phones. They're opening up the microphone and and the um, and the camera, and and that was kind of. Uh, brought to light um, a while back where there's a, a, a photo of Mark Zuckerberg at the corporate headquarters, um, and, and it's just a candid shot. But in the background, his Mac is sitting there, and his microphone is taped up, and there's a, a, a Post-it note over the, the camera. So you know, here, here's the owner owner of, of, of Facebook. He knows that they're watching and listening. Um, so it's you know they're they're extremely invasive, um, but with that said, uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think people are, we live in this completely voyeuristic uh, society where people really care more about what they're doing on Facebook versus what they're doing in present time. You look at people in restaurants today; they don't even talk to one another. They're sitting there having you know they're, they're absolutely you know immersed in their phones. Uh, I witnessed an entire family the other night. And uh, the, the father and mother were on, were on their phones the entire time on social media, and the son was playing a game. They didn't they didn't speak one word. So wow. that's, that, that's where we are in, as a society. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I just reading the stuff and seeing the stuff, it, it kind of frustrates you in a way. But like you said, you have to uh, just kind of know how to deal with it. You mentioned. Uh, Earlier, I remember we were chatting, and you told me that you you kind of give some pointers to. We have a lot of small business owners or people who are promoting their own pages on there, and you mentioned that you felt boosting posts that you you know do a little boost with each of them. What are some best practices for for posting that just like with you know doing the best job with your Facebook, or what do you find works? Well, first of all, targeting is getting tougher because they're going to repeat that they've already removed gender. I don't know if you know this, but you can't target by gender anymore. Uh, financial um, uh, sources are going away. You're not going to be able to um, uh, target by um, income, uh, education, and job titles disappeared and then reappeared. So we're hoping job titles stay, um, but job titles may disappear again. So it's going to be a little bit tougher to target uh, your, your demographics and your, and your ideal audience. But the one thing that is, is consistent is there's a couple things. You can absolutely target people that have engaged with posts on your page before. And that is a very captive audience. That means you can, you can zero in on, on a fans that have actually had engagement and, and on your page. And that, that's, that's an ideal audience to talk to. Um, if they've engaged with you in the past, they're more likely to engage. Um, you want to ask questions. Just posting stuff to post stuff is, is one thing that we see a lot of small business owners make the mistake of. You know, uh, independent dealers, they'll, they'll just post inventory. And really, uh, that, that's the absolute worst thing you can do. Uh, you want to post um, engaging conversations. You want to ask questions. The more engagement you get from your audience, the more it's going to open up algorithms to your page. Um, and then, you know, we're, our strategy is uh, pretty specific. Um, you know, we're, we're not trying to always sell because the biggest problem that we see um, small to medium-sized businesses make is they try to sell too often on social media. Well, people don't want to be sold to. People go to social media for two reasons, to be informed and to be, edu- and to be entertained. And quite frankly, entertainment factors 
probably the biggest. So, you know, we say we have a 10-4-1 posting strategy. So for every promotional post, we educate about your specific industry brand or, or, or particular business. And then we have 10 entertainment. And those 10 entertainment can be very topical uh, that are, are, quite frankly, the ones that people are going to share. Because that funny cat video scaring someone and, and you know, that has 250,000 shares, when you put that on your fan page they sh- and, and your fans or your audience shares that, that puts eyeballs on your business. And they're not yeah. going to share that. They're not going to share that, you know, interesting uh, hot water um, heater t- tips that that we uh, post for a plumber. They're not going to share that. That that might be good for the business, but they're not going to share that. Yeah, that makes that, that makes sense. I know that um, in your business that you can help with this. Uh, we had a question came in on last week's show about business haters and Facebook haters. I know your company, Digital Media Nation, um, does a lot of different service. Give us like the fifty thousand feet view of what digital media can do. Well, we are a full-service agency. We do everything from SEO to SEM, website development. But the really hot services right now that are in the, the online sector are reputation and social media. Every local business needs the ability to have a social media presence. With people spending three and a half hours a day on, on social media, you need to be expanding your brand there. If you're not, you're missing out. But the other thing is reputation. Making sure your online reputation is, is as stellar and positive as it can be uh, and paying attention to it and generating reviews on a regular basis, uh, both good and bad, and, and then marketing out the positive reviews uh, to attract more business and monetizing it. Uh, you know, we have a saying, uh, uh, you know, hug your haters. There, there's actually a book uh, called Hug Your Haters that is fascinating because it talks about bad reviews can be good for your business. And, and every small business owner wants us to gate, and we have ways of, of diverting negative feedback. But really taking that feedback and making sure that it's utilized and, and, and uh, made um, make, make make the whole customer experience uh, process um, more positive and better in the future is is the is the trick. Um, you want to take negative feedback and turn it around because the person that leaves your business that's upset and doesn't write a review, that customer is lost forever. The customer that you solicit feedback from that writes a bad review, it, you can recover that customer. You have an opportunity. Uh, but the people that walk out that are upset and, and you never ask them for feedback, they leave your business and they're gone and, and they go away. So we call that the silent killer. Yeah, that makes sense. I never, I didn't even think of it from that perspective. Yeah, no, no, no business owner wants negative reviews. Like, oh no, we don't want negative reviews. Well, you actually do because it will help identify broken processes within your company and quite frankly, bad um, employee behaviors that you may not know of. You know, there's not many employees that are going to, um, you, you know, um, have uh, negative um, behaviors in front of you when you're around. It's when you're not around that you're going to um, uh, discover that they may not be treating the customers in, in the best light possible in the way that you want them to. That makes that makes total sense. I know that uh, I know you're a busy man, Chris. I appreciate you coming on here with us. If our listeners want to get in touch with you and Digital Media Nation, how can they how can they reach you or, or reach your company? The easiest way is our website, www.digitalmedianation.com. Uh, we have some interesting um, uh, things uh, information there. You can actually pull a report um, called a core report. That's a current online reputation evaluation that sh- shares with you how consumers are seeing your business online. It shows you your visibility in terms of local SEO. It shows your local reputation grade. It will actually show 
actual reviews and but both good and positive, and then a, a video grade if you're if you're utilizing video marketing or, or videos. Um, so that's um, that's available on our website at digitalmedianation.com. Awesome. There you heard it, folks. Chris Snellgrove, Digital Media Nation. You can go to digitalmedianation.com. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again sometime. Thank you very much, Chase. Have a great night. All right. Take care. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right. You'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles or the purchase of a brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade-in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 
was for the love of money by the ojs you know talking about money just gets me excited it's friday afternoon so happy friday glad to have you along with us hope your week's been going well you're listening to strictly business here on 93.1 my name's chase channel uh we've talked about facebook we've talked about social media we've caught up with uh all the uh, latest and greatest on post suppression and what people see and what they don't but uh, we got some catching up to do on the text line. So let's go to the text line and check it out. Sponsored by Victory Honda. To the text line, it says, I always knew Zuckerberg was a communist. Well, I'll just leave that at that. Uh, to the text line, it says, No wonder I don't get any likes. Signed, Steve Bowers. Oh, that's cold. You know, Steve, you're going to just have to work on your engagement, and you just might have to even boost a post. To the text line, it says, Bring back MySpace and MTV. Signed, Carson Daly. Sounds like we've got some funny bunch out there. I would imagine uh, Carson would like to get back the uh, top ten also while he's at it. To the text line, it says, What do you recommend for Facebook advertising? Oh, there you go. Finally, a real question. Um... What do I recommend for Facebook advertising? That's a great question. I, I believe that you should sponsor, on a business page, you should sponsor every post. And um, 
the reason I say that is, is just putting a little boost with every post will make sure that everyone in your audience sees it. And that's the point. Pages in itself, they don't get a whole lot of views from a post. Meaning if I'm Chase's Boutique and I've got 500 people following my page and I post a post up, not much engagement happens from a business. Now, Facebook rates your post with um, based on engagement, based on shares, based on comments. And I can give you a little bit of insight on, um, on some things. I found an interesting article, and it was called The New Facebook Algorithm, Secrets uh, Behind How It Works and What You Can Do to Succeed. It was written by Brian Peters. And there's some interesting things in here. So it talks about how basically these are the components, which I think most of us know. These are the uh, fancy names for it. So Facebook decides what you see based on inventory, meaning content available. What is it that is available that they currently have to show people? So if you post at a peak time when everyone else is posting, your posts are going to get suppressed even more. Uh, signals, meaning considerations about content. So signals can be, you name it, from uh, if maybe they've detected something that you chatted about in your messenger, maybe they listened to your conversations, uh, maybe they followed you around. And also, uh, like Chris had mentioned, with uh, the terms and agreement, you know, we don't read it, but that's opening us up to where they can market to us in any way that we want. Also, predictions. So considerations about a person. They look at it and they say, okay, well, most people that go to, uh, let's just say hoover.com and look at Hoover vacuum cleaners, most people that are interested in researching a vacuum cleaner probably mean they clean their home or their apartment or wherever they live. So maybe we can make a prediction that they would also be interested in a shampooer and we can market to them that way. And then they, all those three components, they make up an overall score, which is how Facebook comes at us and markets to them. The, uh, some of the top ranking factors in the Facebook algorithm is commenting. That's what will boost your post. Uh, sharing, reacting. Um, the, uh, commenting is the number one, and that's at the very, very top of the list. So if you put a post up and it says, um, you know, hey, it's my anniversary and I love my wife, and you start getting a bunch of likes and comments saying congratulations, congratulations, Maybe your kids share it. People are hitting the, the heart for the love, giving you some reactions. Then that post is instantly going to open up to where more people are going to see it. Now, at the same time, if you put, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think the moon is bright tonight, and that's not as interesting to folks, and you don't get as many comments. In the same, the same way it opens up the post, it will narrow the post down. It thinks, well. This isn't boring. This is boring information. It's not relevant. So we're not going to share that content content with folks. Um, but just to, uh, just to make sure I clarify something, now Facebook penalizes you because everyone thought they were smart. They said, well, we figured it out. So they would put a post that said something like, um, just as an example, they would maybe put comment below uh, to receive this or, or so and what they call that is tag baiting or comment baiting so if you're using engagement bait in your post it actually will suppress your post even further so all these things we have to deal with until one of two things happen either a there becomes a new facebook uh, which this is very possible because the people as this continues to shrink down and we continue to learn more about it I believe that the public at large will say, hey, 
we want a different source to share our information because that's not uh, that's just not how we intended you know for it to be used in the first place. Um, you know, sharing that's one of those things that will also boost your posts. And like I said, the reacting it doesn't make a huge impact, but uh, it, it is somewhat critical. So for me, I think that if what I would do on Facebook is I would make sure that uh, when you're doing your Facebook advertising. A, make sure you don't use any of those baiting terms or free terms or just post something that genuinely creates a um, interaction between your customers and your business. So, you know, just as an example with Honda, I could put a post out that says with a picture of like the latest Honda, whatever, and say, we love our Honda. Do you love yours? Or something just to that nature. Now, if I put uh, like and comment, if you like yours, then I'm trying to basically bait them into liking and comment. So Facebook's going to detect that, and then I'm not going to get a very, uh, very good results on my post. But I believe that um, to answer the question, which is what do you recommend for Facebook advertising, I think you should put a small spend of boost behind every post. Um, we know that Facebook's made the changes now where – you know, uh, pretty soon maybe the job titles are going to go away. But just as an example, while those still exist, if I own a store that's selling makeup, I'm going to make sure that I target the audience that buys my makeup. Is it to all women of all ages or is my makeup more catered to a different age group? Is it catered to uh, whatever makes that up? A, you know, age, income, all those things we know can could be going away at any time, like Chris had, had talked about. And so with that, you have to say, okay, we this is the deal. This is what we have to use, and we still have to use it to – you know, to increase our business if we want to spend money on social media advertising. So I would say make sure that you're still boosting every post with a small boost at a targeted audience as to who you want. One of the things that's hardest about my business in the car industry is everybody buys a car from age 16 to, you know, 100. I mean, I've sold cars to everyone in between. So we can't really target audience for our products because we can go after, um, sure, an age group that Honda says, well, this is, you know, the majority of people who buy our cars. But overall, that's one of the hardest parts is we don't sell a product that we can specifically target. Um, so just remembering that, I think that that would be uh, what I would do to answer the question and how I would go about doing our Facebook advertising. So that's uh, looks like we're out of time for the first hour. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into some more questions from Facebook, from the text line. If you want to get in on the action, you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, post up your questions on there, or you can shoot us in a question to the Victory Honda text line at 731-215-0158. When I give you the text line once again, because it is a different text line from the station, which is 731-215-0158. My name's Chase Channel. You're listening to Strictly Business here on 93.1 WTJS. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. 
Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right, you'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles towards the purchase of any brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade-in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends back that was take the money and run by the steve miller band if only i had a dollar for every time i'd heard that song i can tell you this much at the pool hall that i grew hung out when i grew up they played it about every three songs so just wish i had some of that cash back my name's chase channel and you're listening to strictly business this is 93.1 
If you're just tuning in with us, just joining the party, glad to have you along. It's Friday afternoon. Hopefully the drive home's going well today. And uh, we're going to go check out. We had some questions come in here through Facebook and through the text line. If you want to get in on the action, you got questions about business, life, or you just want to say hi, you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or you can shoot us a text with a Victory Honda text line at 731-215-0158. On the text line, we had a question come in, and it says, what, let's see, we already covered that one. Let's go to Facebook. We have a question on Facebook, on the Facebook page from John. It says, what do you see as the future for Facebook? John, that's an excellent question. Uh, for me personally, I see the future of Facebook as probably having to start to compete for market share in a business that, in my opinion, they pretty much control. Last statistics that I heard, Facebook has close to 2 billion, with a B, users. Now, they've created that audience through, what has it been now, um, a little over close to 15 years roughly. And in my opinion, with people using social media, familiar with the internet, we know what it is. We adapt to technology quicker today. I could see uh, Amazon, Google, a lot of different companies coming up with a similar social platform to gain market share because it's big business, as we know, and Zuckerberg with the pay for play is uh, obviously capitalizing on that and realizing how much money can be made through social media advertising. But in my opinion, I see competition because as soon as you lose the pulse of your customers, you're opening the door for somebody else to come in and take advantage of that. And so that's just my opinion on it is I think that that's something that will happen. But um, I think that's a great question. So let's take a look and see if we have more questions. Oh, this is a good one from the Facebook page from Jamie. It says, what advice do you have to increase sales in my business? Earlier this week on the Jimmy Duke show on Tuesdays from about 9.15 to about 9.45, I stopped by and we chat and we talk about the upcoming show today. And uh, we talked about a little bit of sales there. So we're going to cover sales through the next hour and um, we'll just talk all things sales, how to sell more, how to close more, and uh, unless the show goes in a different direction by, based on one of your questions. But sales is a topic that we could talk about for weeks and days. So it's kind of the dirty word in business. People are scared of sales. They're terrified of commission. And the reason is, is because it's the unknown. There's a lot of ups and downs. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. And we're going to have to be forced for somebody to tell us no. And it might hurt our feelings. So sales, let's see. So Jamie wants to know, what advice do you have to increase sales in my business? Well, Jamie, if you could tell me what your business is, I could give you a little better advice. But overall, to increase sales in business, it's real simple. The, the first rule is you have to get in front of more people. So whether that be if your business requires calling, cold calling, uh, maybe your business is a retail business and it's walk-in traffic, then I would take a look at your advertising and see how do we get more people in the door? Does our product draw customers into our business? There's so many different types of businesses in the world, and sales are generated in different ways. We see businesses that come along that there'll be some unique like food item or a food restaurant like the Varsity Hot Dogs in Atlanta. 
and all of a sudden people will wait around the corner uh, to get a hot dog. I remember there's a restaurant in Atlanta. It's an Italian uh, pizza joint, and they this this was their hours for business. They say we're going to be open until we run out of dough. And I used to think that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. But it created this buzz where people would stand all the way around the street just to get in and get some pizza. So in different businesses, these things come along and those buzzes happen. And part of that is marketing, right? Whoever came up with the marketing plan to say, we're open until we run out of dough, that was a genius marketing ploy. Now, if my pizza restaurant's, you know, three doors down and I do the same thing, it's not effective because now we're just being a copycat. And the clients know that, customers know that, and they remember where they heard it first. So the first thing is identify what it is we need to sell. Maybe you just started out and you created a product and you're sitting at your house and you say, well, how do I get this off the ground? How do I make a sale? The first thing is, is all you have to do is find who your intended target is who you made it for, and start approaching them and say, hey, listen, this is what it cost. Would you be an interested buyer? Would you want to take advantage of this? And if people say no or no is part of sales, but you instantly will be able to get a pulse and feel for, is my product good? In retail sales, we look at it and we say, okay, there's needs like hardware stores and uh, flower shops. Maybe it's, uh, you know, somebody's getting married or there's a funeral. So there's needs for those products. But then we have to say, okay, are we the only flower shop where people are forced to buy from us or do people have choices? And in today's world, the internet gives us virtually choices everywhere we go. So we have to say, what can we do different to put ourselves in front of our clients? Are we losing market share to maybe 1-800-Flowers? And even though I've been in business as Chase's Flower Shop for the last 100 years and it's a you know um, generation to generation and it's been passed down, if we don't make the adjustments to stay in front of our customers, we're going to lose market share. And if we lose the market share, there's somebody out there on the internet or somewhere else, Amazon, you name it, that's going to take our market share from us. So thinking about how we can sell more products, the first thing we have to think of is how do we get in front of more people? Now, once we've discovered how we're going to get in front of more people, now the part of selling actually comes in, which is how do we increase our closing ratio? Now, in uh, let's see, at Walmart, they increase their closing ratio by putting items that they call impulse items by the cash register. So if you're listening and you've ever reached over and grabbed a candy bar, picked up a soda, maybe you went in for a, a beef jerky, those are what they consider high-profit impulse items. Those items have a greater margin on them than anything else in the store, and they're positioned in a place where to take advantage of the fact that we're standing there, we're waiting, it's an impulse item, you're thinking, man, my day's been long, I just got done shopping, it's, I'm dying of thirst, and then there's that energy drink or that, that ice-cold water sitting there staring me down, so I might buy that, even though it's $1.99 instead of going back to the back and buying a case of 40 of them, but this one's cold, it's right here, I'm going to drink it while I walk out to the car. So... That's how Walmart is taking advantage of that, uh, you know, of increasing sales and increasing profit uh, and, and increasing their closing ratio in their store. Um, also, big businesses like uh, the big boxes of the world, Walmarts and Targets, they spend millions of dollars in um, basically doing nothing but deciding how to merchandise the products in the store to get in front of customers. Now, 
this is where it becomes difficult to compete in these spaces because if you're a small business owner, you probably don't have the money to spend on somebody telling you that if you put a soft blue towards the top that it's going to increase sales of this product. And if you put yellows here and position this here, that the brain works this way. I mean, we don't have time to employ psychologists to help us with selling. The only things I would recommend is, A, we all have access to the internet. So do your research. I mean, one of the things I always check is, is what colors turn people off. So why would I go paint my office bright red if I'm in sales and I want people to buy something if reds puts off signals for clients to say no? So just we all have access to the same things, but if we can't compete in that in that area of hiring these people who do these studies, what we can do is make our products different. We can ask feedback from our customers. We can say, hey, how is it that you like to buy it? How would you like these set up? You know, what's appealing to you? And I recommend getting fresh perspectives from people other than yourself because what you may think is fantastic, other people might think it just looks terrible. So sometimes you're going to have to make an executive decision because everyone you ask will give you a different answer. So you just got to go with it. But then what you can do is you can start doing your own studies and tracking your own information. And you can say, let's see how the sales go like this. Then let me adjust it to the other way I was doing it and see if next week we have an increase in sales or if sales stay the same. So we can do our own small case studies. And I think that that's really important to remember is always be looking for opportunities to increase sales, increase profitability. And there's technology out now, and this is kind of scary, that retailers are employing in their stores to be more like the Internet. Now, what I mean by that is, is there's a company now that will do what they call uh, floor mapping or traffic mapping throughout your store. So they put sensors in the floor that tell how long people stand in front of each display, where the highest traffic area in the store is, what products they're going to to purchase the most. Are they in the pharmacy longer? Do they go to the, uh, maybe they go to the uh, toilet paper aisle the most often. Um, you know, but these are real deal uh, companies that are putting these floors in because that's the type of information available online. We get analytics each month and it tells what, you know, it's a heat map of your website and it shows how much time was spent hovering over each button, which areas of the website had the highest traffic, mouse traffic. Um, so like one of those in our business is manager specials. People go to the manager special tabs way more often than we ever thought. So we started spending more time saying, okay, if people are going to our manager special tabs, let's make sure that the specials are relevant, the pictures are good, that the descriptions look nice, and let's make sure that we're catering and serving a, a nice product to that audience since that's where people are going. So the technology that's out there, it's just mind-blowing, but it's important because that's all part of staying ahead of the curve. And if we're going to increase sales in business and we're going to increase closing in business, that's what it takes. In some businesses, like the one I'm in, um, you know, selling comes down to closing. So you have to be able to, to use closing techniques, ask closing questions. You say, um, you know, use trial close questions. Trial closes are, are something that we use in our business because we want to say, we want to gauge is our client committed and ready to ready to make a buying decision or maybe they're not and then we want to kind of back off because we don't want to pursue something or 
put pressure on a customer that's not ready to commit. So all these things we do are a little bit unique and they're a little bit different, but it's because of the type of sales that we're in, which is similar to real estate. It's a, it's a big ticket item. An automobile is one of the most expensive things you'll ever buy in your life unless you buy a home. So, and we have to sell a lot of them over and over and over again, day in and day out. So that's a great question. How do you increase sales? And I think we can break it down into so many different segments because there's so much to it. But hopefully a couple of those helped. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more in depth about actually the closing side of deals. How do we get somebody to say yes? Maybe you've had clients that are on the fence and they say, we want to think about it. Uh, we want to talk to our boss. We got to check with our wife, whatever the case may be. And I'll give you some closing techniques and tips that you can apply in your business to increase sales and increase profitability. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel. This is 93.1. If you want to get in on the action, you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or you can shoot us in a text to the Victory Honda text line at 731-215-0158. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right, you'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles towards the purchase of a brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade-in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 
We're back. That was Money Talks by ACDC. It doesn't get much better than that. We're talking about closing the deals. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel right here on 93.1 WTJS. If you want to get in on the action, you can give us a text at the Victory Honda text line, which is 731-215-0158, or you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. Post your comments up. You can put them up all week, and I'll be sure to answer them live on air. Um, We're talking about closing deals, making it happen, and as promised, I'm going to give you some tips and tricks to closing the deals. Now, remember that when I say closing the deals, that this isn't applicable in all business settings. Like if you operate a major retail store, You might not want to use some of these closing techniques, and you might want to use some of them. So remember to, when you hear them, think about, is this something that I could apply or is it not? So part of closing the deal is overcoming objections. And one of the things that I always say is, is we're professional problem solvers, meaning our clients are going to present us with a problem a.k.a. the reason they can't buy. And then my job is just to overcome that problem. So let's just use an example and say that my client says, well, you know what, Chase, you've been fantastic. We really enjoyed the car, but we want to sleep on it. Wah, wah, wah. And that's the moment where we say, okay, do they really want to sleep on it? Maybe they do. Let them go sleep on it. Or... Is there something that's keeping them from buying and I haven't made it comfortable enough for them to tell me? Now, if I've done a good job building rapport, uh, established a common ground, I've maybe made them feel extra comfortable while they were there, I've exceeded their expectations, then I would think at this point they would be comfortable saying, you know what, Chase, this is what's going on. And so just understanding that 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 does happen and those things do go on in business that sometimes when someone says I want to sleep on I let them sleep on it but part of of selling is earning the right to ask for the sale now what I mean by that is is just what it says which is we have to earn the right in the sales process to ask them to buy our product we don't just come out and say well do you want it or not we want to make sure that we've led into it, we've gave a nice demonstration, we've explained the features and the benefits of our product, we've given a lot of tie-downs, we've uh, painted uh, mental ownership, we've used uh, words that can help the customer visualize that this is what they want, and now we're down to the closing table, and it's time that we go over the numbers. Now, what most people make the mistake in businesses is they think that it's all about the price. The price, the price, the price. I want the best price. When the facts are, that's not always the case. Most people will say, well, that's not true. I I want the best price. And there are some clients in the world that regardless of what you do, they're going to want, you know, some ridiculous price and they'll go to the end of the earth to try to figure it out. And, you know, maybe you sell them a car, maybe you don't. But whether you do or whether you don't, I mean, we want to sell everyone a car that we can, but sometimes in business, it's just not in the cards, and that's part of life. But what we want to make sure is if they're going to buy a product, we want to sell it to them. So whether it's cars, whether it's houses, whether it's boats, doesn't matter. It's all the same. But we want to say, have we made them feel comfortable enough where they can say, this is really what's keeping me from buying? So we want to try to identify those. And in closing, what I always say is, is – 
you can just ask, what is it? And this is this is one of the lines that I've used for years, and it's one of my favorites because it it makes it where it, it points out the problem for me to solve it. I can't solve the problem if I don't know what it is, but if the client will tell me, then I can go to work at trying to help them. So I'll usually say, okay, you want to sleep on it. Listen, that's great. I think this is a huge decision, and it's great to sleep on it. Uh, let me ask you a question. What if you had to think of one thing that's keeping you from moving forward today? What would it, what is it? And then I'm just going to leave it at that. Now at this point, the client can say, "Well, Chase, I was really hoping for more on my trade in." Okay, that's valid. Maybe I, we didn't give them what they expected for their trade, and maybe we haven't done a good job of uh, of explaining that or going over the values or whatever it may be. But now there's an objection in front of us. And that objection is one that now we can overcome. Either A, we can give them more for the trade, or B, we're going to have to justify why we can't, and that justification will have to make sense to the client. Um, I I talked about on Tuesday on Jimmy's show fact-based selling, and that's what I do. I sell strictly from the facts. I don't want somebody to buy something and take my word for it because I said so. People believe nothing that they hear and half of what they see. That's just a fact. But what I can do is I can use the facts to my advantage to educate my customer, to make them see that I do have their best interests at heart, that I am trying to make a fair deal with them. And oftentimes when they see that, even if profit's involved, they say, hey, that's fair. And that's what we're after. If we stand out on the car lot or any other business in America and we interview everyone as they leave and we stop them and we say, hey, do you think they made any money off the thing you purchased today? 100 out of 100 will say yes. So if everyone in the world operates under the assumption that if they bought something, the place made money, then I think it's okay and it's fair to say that profit's okay. And I don't think profit's a dirty word. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Unless you got a red cross on the building, you are a for-profit organization. That means that in order for you to keep the lights on, you have to make a fair amount of profit in order to pay your employees, pay your bills, and to have enough left over to justify the risk of business. So oftentimes we see business owners or business people, we think, oh, they're rich. They've got this, they've got that. And business, if you do it right, you can be rich beyond your wildest dreams. Or if you do it wrong, you can be broke beyond your wildest dreams. And there's risk that we take in life. There's risk in business. There's risk in the stock market. There's risk when we cross the road. Everywhere we go and everywhere we turn, there's risk. What we have to do is manage those risks and say, is this a good business decision for me, for my family? What are the upsides? What are the downsides? And then we just have to weigh it out and go with our gut and make a decision. In sales, and what we're talking about closing the deals, is making sure that we've justified to our clients what it is and why we're asking them to go ahead and buy at this point. Now, in our business, there's all sorts of things that come up, like the end of the month. That's one of the big times of the month for us where we kind of give them that extra edge and we say, hey, listen, we got to meet our quota, so we're going to do this for you, but it's good right now. Do you want to do it or not? Sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. But at the end of the day, one thing always will remain the same in sales. You'll never sell someone something if you don't ask them to buy it. I had a salesperson that worked for me one time, and I'm not going to use his name because there's a chance he listens to the show. 
but he was one of the best product specialists I'd ever met in my entire life. He was absolutely fantastic, and he would go around the car. He would give amazing presentations. He would, I mean, this guy could be on video of how great he was at reviewing the car, but he would never ask him to buy it. He was terrified of being told no. He was terrified to say, hey, do you guys like it? Do you want to go ahead and take it home today? I mean, in business, it's so simple to ask them to buy it. A lot of times we look for easier ways, right? Like we think, well, I don't want to be in sales, so I'm going to be a bartender. Well, I hate to break the news to you, Jack. If you're selling beer at a bar, you're still a salesman. It's just a smaller sale, and the people are a little more desperate that want it. So don't think that because you're in some – every business we do is sales. It doesn't matter what you do, you're selling something. You either get paid commission for it or you get paid hourly, but you're still responsible for selling something. If you're not in sales, that means you're an administrator, which means that you're support for somebody else selling something. Or you work in government, which we're not even going to get into that. But just remember that in sales, it's all about closing the deal. It's all about getting people on your side. And it's about ultimately saying, hey, this is a good product. It's good for you. This is why. Why don't you go ahead and, and, and make the decision to take it home today? Now we don't want to. Why not? So some people can say, and when I hope when, uh, when you hear me, I try to be candid in training because I want everyone to understand how simple it is. A lot of times my guys will say, well, you wouldn't really say that to a customer, would you? Well, of course not. I would say the same thing, but with a little nicer spin on it. But in training, it's, it's important that you understand the candid side of it so it sinks in. You say, wow, that is simple. Why don't I just do that? Now, in sales, it's important to use things like empathy. Make sure that, you, uh, you know, that there's feeling, that there's meaning, that there's passion. I can tell you this. I've sold things to clients in my life where it's a family. They need it. There's a, it's emotional. It's emotional for me. And I'm trying to do my best to make the deal. I'm trying to be my best to take care of the customer, to make sure they leave happy, they get what they want for their family. And in those times, sometimes you have to leverage those, those feelings and say, hey, guys, you know, listen, you've been going around place after place after place looking for something that doesn't exist. Now, you've shared with me enough that I want to tell you that this is the uh, right the right car for you. It's the right house for you. It's the it's the right boat for you. Whatever it is, and this is why. And you guys said you loved it. You said that this is in your budget. You said you can afford it. So why don't we take time out of the equation and you just go ahead and do it? Let's move forward because if somebody says they need to think about it, that's not true. Thought is instantaneous. It takes no time at all. If someone says, I got to think about it, go ahead. If I say the word bust, did you get it? You think about that? Came to you, right? Because thought happens instantaneously. Now, what doesn't happen instantaneously is we use things like I need to think about it as an excuse to get away from a salesperson so that we can go home, maybe reevaluate, maybe not commit, maybe not buy, maybe go buy somewhere else. So what we have to do is in the discovery process of sales is make sure we're doing our part and our job to overcome the objections, make sure the product's right, and then ultimately push the customer over the edge so that they buy your product. Now, when I say push them over the edge, some people say, well, gee whiz, they're pressuring me. They, they put pressure on me. Pressure 
is something that's part of business, but it's not necessary to pressure someone to sell them something. A lot of clients need a push. They want to be pushed over the edge. And I've had ones that I've had to push in my life that came back and they said, Chase, I just want to tell you how much we love this. And I'm so grateful that you talked us into doing it. This has been the best thing ever for our family. So understand that sometimes pressure is not a bad thing. As humans, we're indecisive. There's so many choices. There's so many questions. Uh, I can remember, and I'll never forget this. I was in Las Vegas. It was my first time there. And I was in business. I had the paint store, but I didn't have hardly any money. One of my friends who was really successful, he was an attorney, says, let's go to Vegas. And uh, he said, I got an extra ticket. You can fly out and, you know, we'll have a good time. So I'd never been. I always wanted to go. I enjoyed gambling. So I said, why not? What do I got to lose? So I jump on the plane, fly out to Vegas, and I land. And we had to take two separate planes. So he was flying into LAX and back, and I stopped off like in Chicago and then out. So I got there earlier. And when I got there, I said, uh, I noticed, of course, right away there's there's slot machines in the airport. There's, And I'm just, I like to gamble, so I'm in heaven. And I get a cab, and I say, take me over to the hotel. Hotel says, well, you're not ready to check in yet. You know, it's not till later. I say, okay, well, of course, you can gamble whenever you want. So I make my way down. And I start gambling. I gamble all day. He finally shows up. I'm already almost broke. But I have a few other credit cards I can still get money on. I had a little bit more money on another account. So I said, and the nice thing about Vegas is they've got this place wired up where you can get every penny you got and then some. They'll even give you a loan if you want. So I go up to the cage and I say, hey, listen, I need some more money. And I really thought I had it picked out. I had my sports picks already made before I got there on the plane. I was going to go to the sports book, put in my bets, hit the poker room, hit the blackjack tables, and I was going to leave and break Vegas, just like everybody else thinks. So as you can imagine, it didn't work out that way. Uh, I ended up where my friend was there, and and (laughs) he was worse than me, but he goes off. I don't see him anymore. And the thing about Vegas is you can't tell if if it's three in the morning or noon because everywhere you go, there's people gambling and doesn't stop. So I'm in this time warp. I'm completely out of money. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I lost all, every game I picked. I lost. I lost in the casino. Every dollar I made playing cards, I went and blew on the craps tables. And I'm sitting here going, what have I done with myself? And it's the most sickening feeling in the world. And for those of you that have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and I, I'm walking back to the room. And when I say that you're just sick, it's a feeling unlike no other. And as I'm going, this guy looks at me and he says, excuse me, sir. He says, would you mind if I shine your shoes? I look down at my shoes. I was still wearing a suit from work. I look back up at him. I reach in my pocket. I had $20 left to my name. I said, how much is it? He said, it's only $5. I said, sure, why not? So I sat down, and I'm just disgusted. And I'm so disgusted that I thought to myself, if you're going to leave broke, you may as well leave without anything. So give this guy your last $20, and you'll get your shoes shined. So he's sitting there shining my shoes. He says, you want the upgrade? It, it, it only cost you know, this much more. I said, listen, man, I got $20. You're getting the whole 20 so you do whatever you want to those shoes. Just make them look as good as you can for $20. So he's down there shining away. When he got done... I shook his hand. I said, thank you. 
I said, I feel like I really got something out of this. My shoes, they looked fantastic. When I tell you that was the nicest shoe shine I'd ever got, it was not only the nicest, it was the most expensive. That shoe shine only cost me $15,750, and I had no more money left in my name. But the great news is, is when I got back to the room, my friend says, hey, how'd you do? I said, not bad. Got the best shoe shine I've ever had in my life. He says, the best shoe shine in your life? What do you mean? I said, take a look at these things. He says, well, how much was that? And said, not much, only $15,750. I'll spare you the words, he said, because I can't say them on the air. But the facts are, is that sometimes in life, the salesman always will prevail. That guy shining my shoes, he got my last $20, and it really didn't matter. But he closed the deal. And all you have to do to close the deal is ask for the business. He gave me a reason to spend my last $20 I had. There. Now, granted, I thought I could talk Ty into buying me some food. I was getting on the plane later that day, and I would be back to one of my banks locally that I restricted myself from, so I couldn't get money from it. But, A, maybe I have a gambling problem. Not anymore. I don't go to the casino. That's how you solve the problem. And then, B, I just will never forget about the salesman, the, the, the shoe shine salesman that shined those shoes, and it always just made me realize that, don't worry about what the situation someone's in or where they're at. They'll make the decision to buy if you present it to them and you ask it in a nice, courteous way. And so my shoes were spectacular, and I think that it was one of the best investments I ever had because that lesson, how many other shoe shines do you think I remembered in my life? The answer is zero. So we're talking about closing the deals. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel, and we're talking business. It looks like we got enough time for maybe one more segment. So we'll go through. We'll take a few more texts. We'll check in on some questions. If you want to get in on the action, you got questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot them into the Victory Honda text line. It's 731 215 Speaking of the Victory Honda text line, we have a text that says, Coffee is for closers. I know that line from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Funny story about that. I actually uh, did a sales contest once at the, uh, at the dealership I was at in Atlanta, and I called it the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross Sales Challenge. In the movie, it was first place, got a Cadillac, uh, I think it was Escalade or Eldorado or something. Second place was a set of steak knives, and third place was you're fired. So I did the same, uh, the same sales contest in Atlanta. Obviously, I didn't fire anybody, and we did a big screen TV because that's what everyone wanted. But I did first, first place was a 55-inch flat screen TV. Second place was a set of steak knives, and third place was you're fired. So fantastic movie if you like sales. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, it's one of the classics. Um, but like I said, if you want to get in on the action, you can shoot us a text, the Victory Honda text line, which is... 731-215-0158 or go on over to facebook.com backslash the chase channel show if you uh, miss out on the show or you want to catch up on earlier segments that you may have missed you can go to itunes search the chase channel show all the episodes are archived there you can click subscribe and it'll make sure to keep you up to date each week you can also check it out on spotify if for some reason you missed it, or you can download Podbean if you're an Android user and search the Chase Channel Show. Same thing, just like and subscribe, and it, you can listen to it right there uh, anytime, day or night. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these short messages. Taking care of business. 
You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right, you'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles for the purchase of any brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade-in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 
that was The Big Money by one of my favorite bands, Rush. Rush always just seems to bring it for me. I don't know why, but they have for years and years. If you want to get in on the action, you can text the text line sponsored by Victory Honda at 731-215-0158. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel. Uh, if you want to go online, you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. And you can also catch out a sneak preview each week of uh, what we're going to talk about on Fridays on Tuesday mornings at about 9.15 to 9.45 on the Jimmy Duke, the, the mid-morning mix. So we've talked about Facebook. We've talked about closing the deals. We've talked about the suppression going on with the, uh, the social media of Facebook with the pay-for-play and the post. And uh, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is closing the deals and sales. And we've talked about some of the uh, different marketing lines. But uh, we had a, a text come in that says, how do I make more sales in my retail business? And we touched on that briefly. But I just want to give a few more insights to what retail really means. Retail business is one of the toughest businesses because right now we're at a time and place where almost everything that you can sell is available online. It's a lot of it available if you're on uh, you know, Amazon Prime or a different company that you can get maybe a free two-day shipping. The prices are usually so competitive that maybe they're even cheaper than what you have them in your store. But sometimes it's just easier. I don't have to go to the store. I can read all the reviews. I can compare all the prices, and I don't have to leave my desk. So how do we separate that to get someone in the door of our business uh, in the, you know, to our store and then get them to actually purchase something? So one of the things that I would really highly recommend is, A, take advantage of social media because it's, it is free. And even though some of the things with the way the posts are being suppressed and the things that are going on with it, but you can be innovative. If you can build a personal dialogue with your client base, they're still going to come in and want to buy from someone. So make sure that you're connecting with your customers on a personal level. If you think that you're going to set up a shop, make it clearly transactional, not give great service and still have great sales, you're only fooling yourself. So make sure that you create a dialogue with your clients, that personal touch. I would recommend using Snapchat. Make sure that you post relevant content, consistent content on your Snapchat. Utilize Instagram. Make sure you're going Instagram Live. Make sure that you're going uh, utilizing Facebook Live to bring your content, bring the latest and greatest to your folks. Right now, Facebook's preferencing videos from live greater than anything else on our news feeds, so even more so than what videos are. So make sure you go live. You can also now schedule a live video. So it will say, you know, uh, Chase Channel is going to go live at noon tomorrow so that you can build an audience in the meantime for that. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. But make sure that you're using the streaming stuff that's out there. Um, we'll talk more about streaming in uh, maybe next week's episode or later on because I think streaming is one of the most relevant things going on. But, of course, there's still the how-to, the learning curve. Most of it's pretty simple. And with the YouTube search, you can kind of figure your way around streaming. But just remember that, that stay relevant, build the personal dialogue, and I think you'll find a lot of success in retail business, and retail is going to be around for a long time. But the people who find the way to deliver the personal touch 
are the ones that are going to succeed. So that's my advice. Looks like we're out of time. So until this time, next time, you're listening to Strictly Business here on 93.1 WTJS. My name's Chase Channel. We'll catch you next week, Friday, at the same time, 1 o'clock, right here on 93.1. You've been listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. For more, please follow him on Facebook at Chase Channel Show. That's facebook.com slash Chase Channel with two L's show. And catch him next time right here on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Forget about April showers. We're making it rain right here at Victory Honda of Jackson during our huge pre-owned buyback event. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and we need your trade. And right now, we'll give you more than ever. Receive up to 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. That's right. You'll get up to half of your vehicle's original MSRP back on your trade. This has never been done before, and it may not happen again. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and get 50% of your original MSRP on your trade-in. But hurry, this won't last long, so come in today and we'll make it rain right here at Victory Honda. Receive up to 50% of original MSRP on trading vehicles towards the purchase of any brand new vehicle in stock at MSRP with approved credit. Minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. Not all vehicles will qualify. Max trade in value $16,000. See dealer for complete details. Offer ends 438.